Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Finally, finally, I get Jerry Tassin. I don't know how many times I try, but we're, yeah, we've been trying for this. I've known you in Hello Hollywood, Hello. And then when I moved back to Seattle, we can go into our whole history. I took over your teaching spot in Redmond at the dance studio because you were moving on to something else. And then, oh my gosh, I'm remembering all these things that I had forgotten. The Edgewater, you brought like a smaller kind of dance, different, more updated cabaret version that we did and getting to dance with you in that with some other wonderful dancers. And then I know we run into, you taught at my studio and everybody loved you because your musical theater style, which I want to get into if you're training, that you were bringing us some real Jack Cole and some real Fosse and Jerome Robbins and not just, you know, fifth generation down, you were giving us the good stuff. And then we hit COVID and then you were so graciously teaching on Zoom for us. So yeah, I've just, I've seen bits of you. And so I told you before we recorded, I don't know the in-betweens. And so I'm also excited to hear your interview to, to get the parts I don't know. And I do have to say also the teachers and the dancers are still going strong after, you know, 30, 40 years old. When I came back and started taking your class, because I've been teaching for ever at my own studio, but I never really wanted to take it my class a lot or my studio the last 10 years. Cause when you're, you know, in front of your students, it's a little more intimidating. So when I showed up in your class and I go, I still have it because Jerry teaches in a way that's like triple pirouette to the floor, get back up. We weren't doing that. We were doing good, solid jazz. that felt so good on the body. And it was in with other people that were seasoned, not old. We were seasoned dancers that just didn't need to do backflips some of us lots of seasoning yeah <laughs> lots of seasoning and hip re- and that you've had two re- hip, re- hip replacements and I have it just kind of helped me go you work where you're at but it felt so good that I would take your class as soon as I get my car I would put on my calendar like I can hardly wait to go back uh, so COVID put a little hitch in that but I'm going to be back so I'm rescheduling my life so that I can make Tuesday a day to come take class because I realized it really fed my soul and it was just fun to connect with you because you you would have some kind of showy stuff in there sometimes. Then you'd have your good solid technique and it was always fun. So I'm just, I just will praise you for another 20 minutes or so. Oh, and then I'll let you talk. <laughs> I love that class that that's a really special class. Uh, I get nervous to teach that class. Really, <laughs> I do because these, uh, these dancers are experienced dancers and they know where they are in their bodies and yeah. they have experienced so much dance in their lifetimes. They have an opinion. Oh, really? <laughs> they have an opinion. And, you know, I just, uh, what's really amazing about that class is they're a really great example for me because they keep, they keep showing up. We have 40 year olds, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds. And, they just, you know, they don't even ask. They change things, <laughs> you know, to fit where they are. And, yeah. But that enables them to continue. And, oh, it's, it's really inspiring to me. It's one of the most exciting classes I've taught in years. Uh, and it's honest. Uh, honestly, yeah. I, you know, I teach uh, eight-year-olds all the way up. 
and uh, I love every, you know, they all have different um, uh, energy and different abilities and uh, of all those classes, that Tuesday, Thursday, 10 a.m. class is my favorite. It's just, yeah, it feeds my soul. So oh. I well, they know. It's so great because I know like at my age, if I was going to find adult classes, it's usually like, you know, when you taught at the dance studio too, they would try to do adult classes, but there's kids in every room and you just feel like, no, I don't want, I don't want to dance in a kid's studio as an adult. And I don't want to, and I love mom numbers, but you know, some of us feel like we, we don't have to, you know, be in a beginning mom class. (laughs) And so it felt so good. Like they're still, they're still performing and there's so much energy instead of just like, this is your right foot. Here's a chasse. Cause I go, none of us want to go back to that. (laughs) We know a chasse, but we also don't, we know like my hips will do this and not that. Exactly. I want to, I know you're in Redmond now, and I don't know if this is even where you grew up because my first connection was you and the show, but I remember taking your ballet class that you and Kim taught together because Marilyn Stedman, Marilyn Mitchell now, and mm-hmm. said, so you got to come. And I know she was friends with you. So that got me to, to go, oh my gosh, there's somebody from my homeland here in Reno. Some, but I don't know that you were from here before, but maybe as putting I'm those pieces from, together backwards. Yeah. I'm from Bremerton. You are. Yeah. <laughs> Little small, you know, take an hour ferry ride west to the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, Bremerton, it's a Navy town, uh, population 35,000. And uh, that's where I grew up. Um, I have family in the area. I've got uh, four siblings that live in this area. And uh, yeah. Yeah. How did you get into dance? What what motivated you or what lured you? And then where did you go? Because sometimes it's not so convenient to find a good dance studio, depending on your living. And some of us just hit gold of great teachers that show up in small towns. Yeah, well, I... I didn't start till I was 16 years old. Um, our, our high school had actually, they had a really good arts program funding for music and uh, uh, they sponsored a musical between the two high schools every other year. And I thought, oh, wow, being in a musical, I would really like to be in a musical. So. I signed up for everything. Like I, I wanted to be on the lighting crew. I wanted stage crew, uh, singing in the chorus. And I, I happened to audition for a dance in it. And it was like, it was kind of like the, the heavens open. Oh, <laughs> that moment. And I just loved it. I could, I could remember the steps, uh, it just felt, you know, I just felt, it felt really magic and nothing, you know, uh, nothing had really struck me up until that age uh, as something that really felt like me, you know, what I was doing. So, wow, I just fell in love with it. And the choreographer was a student choreographer and she said, oh, you should come and take my class. I went, oh, really? (laughs) <laughs> you can take a class. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> so yeah, um, <clears throat> instead of going to work on Wednesday at Big Scoop Ice Cream Parlor, I know Big Scoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I told my parents I was going to work, but I went to the dance studio 
and uh, <laughs> my own class because I, I thought I don't want to tell anybody, you know, uh, judge, you know, judgmental. Um, I, I felt that there might be some judgment, you know, so yeah, yeah. I, I didn't tell anyone I was taking the classes and I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I found, you know, that passion. And uh, so after a couple months, I got a full scholarship. Uh, so then I had to quit my job and tell my parents. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, it's so funny. You think if someone is 16, when they say they're going to work and they're going somewhere else, it's not sneaking to dance class. It's usually partying or other things kids say, but you're like, you're setting up your career. You're sneaking off to set up your career. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh my gosh. How did, how did you make that announcement? And also being 16 and, and being a boy and starting in theater, it's a little, because I work with a lot of high school musicals and trying to get guys to audition. Oh, it's, it's very hard. And there's yeah. usually, a, there's a lure that gets them in there some way, but it's, it's hard. Well, the thing about the, the you know, going to the musical, uh, both schools were talking about it. They, I mean, there was, you know, open widespread support for it. It was such an exciting thing. Because uh, in Bremerton, there's not much happening. <laughs> such a small <laughs> town, you know, so that was a big deal. So it was all supported by everyone. And um, even after I started taking, you know, dancing every day, I was really fortunate. I, everybody knew it in school. They yeah. knew it. In, uh, and I, I didn't try to hide it from them at yeah. all. And it was totally supported. I was never, you know, for the last, you know, I was a, a sophomore. So sophomore, junior, senior, absolutely no um, issues at all. I was just completely open about it. And it was really supported by all my friends um, and my family. You know, it's funny, uh, that absolutely came from left field for them. Yeah. And uh, they just quietly said, okay. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> uh, I think that was probably the best approach, you know, because, uh, yeah, uh, their involvement in it might've changed some, some uh, trajectory of it, you know? So it's just, it, it really happened naturally. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I really did find my passion there. Mm. Yeah, that, I'm that so was, glad you did. Really wonderful that that happened in Little Bremerton. <laughs> in Little Bremerton, I know I've been to Bremerton. I bought a dog in Bremerton. That's all the only time I've ever been to Bremerton. Um, did you? Were you natural? Because some people have to work so hard to just even be beginner. But there's some people that I see start late and they just take to it. Their body it makes sense in their body. Their brain picks it up. And some people will take class and be beginners forever. But you see, I see these people that start later and you're like, oh man, you didn't have to start at three. Maybe starting at three would have been bad because you would have just taken it for granted. But how, how was that for you to, to watch how fast you moved up as far as your advancement and well, getting I didn't technique? Know, I didn't know that things were hard. Okay. I just learned them. And, I, yeah. and the thing that I really remember was that I could... Uh, learning combinations and 
timing was really, really natural for me. Uh, it just, it seemed easy. Yeah. Technique, you know, kept working on the technique. My teacher, uh, uh, my teacher, my first teacher was kind of an interesting person. She grew up in Hollywood and uh, like her father did uh, special effects for the movies. And huh. so she grew up in that time where they were doing like toe tap and hit your head with a tambourine on your foot and uh, all these uh, contortionist dances and stuff. And there really wasn't much technique uh, in that. There were it was yeah. just kind of tricks, amazing tricks and stuff. So I really only studied from her for about a year. And then she started asking me to teach the classes that I should have been taking. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a sign yeah, well, it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah. So then I did that for a year. I was still taking some of those classes. But um, after three years, uh, I had gone to a summer dance program, which was just mind-blowing. Wonderful. Uh, I was in the level A, it was a uh, summer dance lab, which is now done in Walla Walla, but it was yeah, up yeah, yeah. back then it was done um, in Fort Warden at Port Townsend. Yeah. So the first year I went, I was in level A, which is the easiest. And I just was, my mind was open to all of this uh, the technique and the artistry and it just was I just soaked it all up and then the next year I went I happened to go as an apprentice with First Chamber Dance Company oh wow they accepted me into their apprentice program and so I had had three years of dance and I was an apprentice in a ballet company by then oh my gosh you know granted that's that's a long time ago and uh but that's where I was and that uh, they saw the artistry in me and worked with me on technique from there. And then the, the year after that, uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet became a ballet company. Yeah. And I danced in their first productions um, and they did uh, Nutcracker and then they, they were involved in the opera Eugene Onegin, right? They were the dance company performing for the opera company there. So uh, it, it just boom, 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 boom. It happened like that so quickly. Uh, and it just seemed natural. Yeah. Well, it seems like how you stepped into it. It, it. it just like, you're just on this trajectory that makes sense. I don't know if in your high school, like I know the, the guidance counselor would call you in and ask what you want to do next. And you're supposed to be figuring out, like a lot of my friends are going to college and I knew I wanted to dance, but I didn't know how. And so what do you want to do? Am I going to be a dancer? And they'd always say, pick a real job. And like, well, that's what I want to do. But nobody knew. I had no idea how to do it except for watching Sonny and Cher, Carol Burnett. There was dancers. There was a show Vegas. That must be what you do. <laughs> Just when you want to do this without much help or anyone around you that's done it, it's, it's a little tricky. But did you kind of just step right into it and your trajectory kept going and you didn't have to think about becoming professional? Or did you have to make some decisions this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I have to do to get there. It, I just was led. 
I, I was yeah. led and I just followed what made me feel good. Oh. So for the for one year, I was going to Olympic College in Bremerton. I was in the acting program, but twice a week I took that hour ferry boat ride to Seattle to take to take dance classes. Who were you taking from? Uh, at for, at um, Seattle Dance Center, and it was on Yes oh my gosh. Avenue. Yeah. Uh, was there Daniel, was that Daniel Chick, Nancy Cranborn, but that was probably a little bit way after this, but. That was after, that's when Perry yeah. Brunson, Perry yeah. Brunson was my ballet master. Uh, okay. Perry Brunson and Ray Bussey and um, Frank Hayes yeah. and Sara DeLuise. Oh, the best of the they best. They were all members of First Chamber Dance Company. Yeah. Uh, and that was their home at the time. So I would come over on the boat and then walk from the ferry, you know, like two miles to the dance studio in downtown uh, Belltown there. Yeah. 2320. That's where that was, okay. That was the address, yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. they were so formative and they were uh, unbelievable artists, just uh, so unique. And uh, I, I felt like home, it, it really felt like home. Those formative years, it was really uh, made a big impression on me. Well, there's a lot of people that went solely ballet and didn't take anything else. And so then, you know, they, a lot of these girls got too tall. So the next thing is be a showgirl. But you've got some musical theater and even Ray Bussey brings in so many things. And Sarah DeLoise, you're getting, you've got, you've got a different ways, you, a lot of ways you could go with this training that feels like it's more expansive than a lot of people that are very much pigeonholed into one style or even one thing to be exposed to of options. So that makes sense of all the things I've seen you've done do since. You kind of started out with this very broad, eclectic training, that, but it was also very solid. It wasn't, you weren't dabbling. Uh, I guess it wasn't, I didn't plan any of this. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say I need this and I need this. They just gave it to me. Uh, that, that training, we took modern, uh, and tap and jazz and character dance. And of course, the ballet technique, men's classes. Um, it was quite, it was really nice, diverse training uh, yeah. there. And I, you know, I sang in high school. So that was kind of my uh, musical training. Um, and I did sing when I was going to Olympic college there. Um, so that kind of really rounded me out. Um, yeah, yeah. It where, was where does your, where does, okay, I'm trying to figure out your timeline and we can go looped and loop it in circle however you want. So where does like your Jack Cole and American, was it American Dance Machine? Yes, yes. Where does that and Hello Hollywood is what, where, I'm just so curious how you fit well, all this into your time here. Oh, chronologically, it was uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet. Yeah. At, you know, right after that, I took one year of college. Uh, and then, then it was hello Hollywood hello. Okay, let's talk about how someone from Bremerton ends up down in the biggest show in the world on the biggest stage, in well, a, as a showboy. Dance for a year because they don't really know what they're going to do with it. So okay. I had I have been taking from this teacher, and I you know I had a little bit of an injury and I was trying to come back from it in my foot and um, 
uh, I was taking from Perry Brunson and uh, he was trying to figure me out, I guess. Um, and one day he said, oh, I don't think I'm the teacher for you. And I went, and so I quit dance for a year. And oh, really? uh, I think that was the best thing for me. Yeah. Because after a year, that fire came back. And I, I started taking classes in Tacoma from Joe Emery. Yes. Oh, and that's Joe Emery. Yeah. She yeah. Greg Thompson. Yeah. Works. And she said, what are you doing here? You should go to Vegas, right? And she said, there's an audition. It's really great. There's an audition for the MGM Grand in like two months. And I, I didn't have any money to get there or anything. And I said, oh, I can't, I can't get there. And she said, well, next week there's an audition for a fashion show. Uh, you should do that and you could earn the money. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Thank so you, Joe. <laughs> I, this, um, someone that was taking class from her, <laughs> it's really kind of amazing. Uh, he really didn't want me to go to this audition. So he, she said, tell him what time it is and give him all the information. And he told me the wrong time. And I took the ferry from Bremerton. Oh, I go to Seattle I show up and the audition was over and they were on stage rehearsing already and so I thought how did I miss that and so I'm just standing there in the wings I thought I'll just dance I was doing their movement I picked it up and then, <laughs> honest truth the choreographer saw me and he went uh, I want you to do this oh <laughs> yeah you come in here and then he said to this person that told me the wrong time he said I don't need you anymore Oh, good job, karma. <laughs> My goodness. And so I'm telling you, I stumbled into everything. And yeah. uh, so that gave me the money. That show, it was a 17 magazine fashion show, right? So that was big bucks for one event. Yeah. So I, I bought my plane ticket and got a hotel room and went to Vegas for the audition. For the was MGM this for Grand. before the opening or had they already the show already been going? Uh, this was for uh, the uh. Vegas show and then the future show to be in Reno. Oh, so it was Hallelujah Hollywood at that time, right? Is yeah. this Hallelujah? Because that then Jubilee kind of overlaps no, with Hard. Oh, uh, you mean at, at the MGM in Vegas? Yeah. So do you audition on at the MGM for Reno? Or I for I Vegas. I had the choice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So first day, um, you know, it's, it's the men's audition and there's like 200 men and they take that six foot stick <laughs> more than six feet. And they, yeah. you know, they just have you stand there first and measure you. And then they cut all the people shorter than six feet. And then you dance and dance and dance. And then they have you take off your clothes and stand in your dance belt. Right? Were you prepared for that? No. Any warning? That. Well, that's different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not PMB style. <laughs> so then they call you forward and then um, they, you know, at that point, that's the first day. Yeah. 
they said to me, we can't use you. And I, I, I was very naive. I said, well, why not? Depending <laughs> <laughs> on the stage, why not? And they said, because your hair's too long. And I said, well, I'll cut my hair. And then they said, but you have a mustache. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll take my mustache. I'm standing there in my dance belt arguing in the middle of the stage. And they said, well, it's probably something else. And I like, uh, okay. Because, uh, you know, I, was, I really enjoyed the movement and yeah. I felt I got, did very well. Uh, so then I go into the audience and I'm getting my clothes on and I hear on the loudspeaker, uh, well, Jerry Tassin come down to the front. So I did that. I came down to the front and they said, okay, get a haircut, shave and come back tomorrow. And so I did. And at the end of that audition, they had, I think, 12 guys. And they said, you can have the choice of uh, the contract for Las Vegas, or if you want to wait for eight months, rehearsal start uh, February, uh, February 6th. Uh, so that's a few months later. And I thought, well, you know, if you go into an existing show, you're doing the choreography that is preset. But if you mm -hmm. go into a new show, they're developing the choreography and you might have um, influence, you know, or, you know, there might be, it might be a really great experience to, to be first cast. So yeah. I chose that one for Reno. Oh man. Okay. That was the, the trick. <laughs> wow. And you were, you got your money by doing another, another gig to get that gig. Yeah. Wow. I did, yeah. Uh -huh. So I've, I've heard lots of stories of the creation of the show. I've heard stories you know, that Don would be nice in the morning and after a few drinks and lunch, he would just scream, like telling people to flush their stuff down the toilet. How was that for you of like, you know, you're kind of doing your job the best you can and you've got things that went, you know, that got held up. I think the sets weren't working or the space curtain that then there was two weeks off. And I've, I love hearing the stories of the creation of the show. I came in a year after the show was going. So I, you know, learn everything, just get shoved in there and there you go. But I didn't really know any how this happened. So I love hearing like the rehearsal process. I've heard people rehearsing fan numbers in the cafeteria because there wasn't enough space. So yeah, yeah what was, what was yeah, that like for were, you? They were building the whole thing. Um, there was construction vehicles everywhere. Um, they were still constructing the tower. They hadn't put, yeah, it was a brand new construction site. And uh, uh, I was so excited. Uh, they, the first call was like at 8 p.m. And I thought, oh, 8 p.m. This is going to be, um, this is going to be like a meet and greet kind of a thing. We get to know everybody and then we'll start our rehearsals later. And I, we go in and we have to go uh, through one door. There's no lights or something in the, in the casino. And then Headlights were shining through to show us the way to the theater. <laughs> anyway, we get there and I'm so excited because there's so many international uh, performers yeah. from, uh, this is my first experience to that. Um, 
all the accents. It was just really thrilling. And uh, they welcomed us all. And then we started rehearsing <laughs> right then. And we didn't- Isn't it bedtime? <laughs> at eight o'clock. <laughs> and we didn't finish till like four in the morning or something. Uh, maybe it wasn't that late, but it was at least for five or six hours we were rehearsing. And I thought, this is strange. <laughs> <laughs> But that, yeah, that first day was pretty exciting. and um, You've just totally switched your clock now because this is now your new normal. Well, yeah, it, on steroids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on steroids, yeah. Did they, did they have, I know there's three choreographers. Did they have one choreographer teach all their stuff and then when they were done the next, or was it getting mixed in through this audition or rehearsal process? I know Winston and I can't remember the name, but Larry Maldonado. Do you remember how that was? Was it kind of everything all at once? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Larry Maldonado, uh, Tom Curry, and Winston Helmsley. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember their names. I'd have to look at my program again to see. I only know it because I keep hearing it more. I would not have known those names a few years ago. Well, I think Winston was the assistant to Tom and, and Larry, because he would show us a lot of their work. Um, but they left some of the stuff for him as Didn't well. Didn't you do Heat Wave? I think, uh, boy, probably. That's okay, I won't put you on this spot. <laughs> <laughs> probably, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we worked with them, all of them. Um, it was really, really fun. So fun. Over and over. And over again, um, not, you know, such a large cast, uh, not only was it the choreography, but the patterns that the, the movement, all the dancers had to do. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, you know, rehearsal is one of my favorite parts of dance. Really? Uh, when I'm learning. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the part, the new and freshness of it is really, I really love that. Uh, and the performing I love too, but um, there's something a little more special to me about uh, that creation process. Um, and yeah, it just, it's, it's like a, a new meal. <laughs> oh, I love that. Cause yeah. I, well, I'm curious because Don Arden moves people like the staircase. I don't know how much, if he choreographs or someone choreographs and he just tells all the patterns. Cause that's his brilliant mind is how to move people and levels and layers and multiple directions, but I mean, the guys were in, some of the guys are in staircase, but I just was curious, was Don just sitting there watching and, and taking notes and yelling now and then, or was he actually directing much? Um, I, I, I think that Larry and um, Tom would, and Winston, they would set the movement and then Don would yell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To the right. I mean, oh my gosh, some of the yelling was just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, well, I was in the staircase. Uh, yeah. Know, the, the Kelly boys were in the staircase. Um, oh gosh, I remember him yelling at one of the boys. Ricky was his name. Uh, and he had such a raspy voice. It, it, and it, it was uh, grating. to stand there, you know. And yeah. his voice coming over the speaker and say, Ricky, Ricky, I can't see your face. Cut your hair. 
right? So, you know, he's yelling at everyone for you, you know, um, hike up your leotard, right? You want the G-string line for the leotard screaming, you know. So we went and got his haircut. And then the next day, he, Don Arden calls him forward and he says, oh my God, your face looks like a can of worms. <gasps> oh my God. And we're, you know, there's 60 people standing on stage and we're not reacting at all. And then he says, ah, but I wouldn't do anything about it like any plastic surgery or anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the humiliation that people put up with, oh man, you have to want this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I oh. guess yeah, it's just, as, and that was really shocking. Yeah. But, you know, he, he had so much experience. He was, you know, he was at the top of his game. Yeah, uh, he knew how to get this vision produced, and uh, it was very marketable. You know, it was an era; it was a style. You know, uh, and it was this manic, creative guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, he's not going to be there through your whole contract. Eventually, he's going to move on, and you get to do what you do right. without that constant. Right. How was? Do you remember your opening? Because I know that some people said that it was almost like anticlimactic because it went on so long and they knew the show so well that opening was not a super big deal because they'd been rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. But what do you remember of your opening night? Oh, the energy from the audience. That oh, really? Deal. It was completely yeah. sold out. You yeah. remember, didn't that see, theater see 3,000? 3, 3,000, that's what I've heard, yeah. I mean, and when, well, it was so great to go to that 40th. Yeah. Uh, reunion there that was really wonderful and walking in through that theater man i it's massive yeah, yeah. So that i just remember how refreshing it was to feel the energy from that audience it, it just i really loved it uh it was it was not anticlimactic i, I didn't feel that at all yeah well, it was exciting yes. for the yeah. Finally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super wow. So when I, I came in a year after it'd been open and you were there and you were doing Scarecrow and I feel it. Did you do Pot of Cease at some point? Yeah. And, and you know. were in, were you a principal in the beginning or were you an understudy? Because I remember watching you in those numbers, but I don't know what your journey was for I was getting a, to do so. Such a wonderful experience there. It just was the best you could, you could ask for. Uh, I was a Kelly boy on stage left in the chorus. And uh, a few months in, um, the, the swing dancer from stage right left the show, bang, suddenly. And they asked me to be swing on stage right. And you remember, stage left and stage right were reverse choreography. Yeah. And so I was thrown into it, pardon me, in one day. And so I told all the girls, I said, just call my name. <laughs> call my name and I'll hold your hand. <laughs> Help me through this. Uh, and so a couple days like that, and um, then I had it down. So it's all the numbers on stage right um, for swing. And... Uh, 
I continue to swing for a few more months. And then um, one of our principal dancers, Rodney Smith. Yeah. Uh, he was the ballet dancer from, from Australia. He was going to leave for six weeks. And um, they asked me to understudy his spot, all the classical yeah. stuff. So this, this job was really um, utilizing all my training. Yeah. Manhattan Kane is kind of tappy, uh, the jazz from Heat Wave and um, kind of the, the whole theatrical theater uh, presentation, then these classical ballet pieces in there. So uh, I understudied him for six months. I did all of his spots, not six months, six weeks. And then at the end of that, one of the principals left, Stefan Blicka, and they offered me his spot. Oh, wow. And so I continued in his spot. Uh, and then um, during that time, I started understudying, plus doing those principal spots and then understudying all the other principals. So I became a principal understudy. That's why I think so, I remember you going on because I think I saw, oh yeah, because those I think I was so surprised of how beautiful the ballet was. I had no idea that that would be in a show like that. And like, oh damn, this isn't just the, the advanced in your typical ballet studio. These guys are real and that's some hard stuff. Two shows a night. Two shows a night, six days a week. Yeah. Uh, and it was, like I said, it just utilized every bit of my training. And what a great experience to transition from chorus to swing, to understudy, to have my own spot, and then to do virtually every male part in the show, which is really, really a great experience. I It's deep in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very satisfying. I remember you were also teaching because Marilyn, who's your friend, my friend that sat, she was right next to me in the dressing room. We became friends and she said, you got it. And I was so afraid to take ballet. I just was like, I suck. And then she's like, probably not come take a ballet class. And it was yours. And you, were you with Kim? Did you meet Kim in the show? How did you guys, what is your story there? Well, that I only know you as, as a couple. I've never known you anything but a couple. You know, that's the greatest part of this story because um, we had, uh, I had been at TNB and then I left and believe it or not, she came to PNB right after I left. So we were like Seattle and then I left and then she moved to Seattle and was with PNB. Ships passing in the night there. Uh, and then... <clears throat> I went to Vegas to audition, but she, uh, uh, Bluebell came to Seattle. Oh. Auditioned for this show. And her ballet teacher um, said, they're looking for tall dancers that are beautiful. You should go. And so Kim went to the audition and she, they said, uh, Bluebell was there and, and they said, oh, do a classical variation. And so Kim just improvised, you know, balance, balance, you know, pirouette, da, 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 waltz, turn, waltz, turn, 
Tombay Potteray, Glissade, Jeté. And she said it was boom. They handed her the contract. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh. Yeah. So um she 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 arrived in February for rehearsals also. And um she happened to be the tallest dancer. She's six feet tall. Yeah. And I was uh, the only person taller than me was Craig Seeley, and he was a um, a singer. So quite often, Kim and I got put together. How tall are you? I'm six three. You're six three. Okay, yeah. Uh, and quite often, she and I were put as partners. Yeah. And uh, it was wonderful, just wonderful. Um, we knew each, uh, we met each other on February 6th and uh, January 31st, the next year we got married. Oh, I love that. Did you get yeah. married in Reno or? No, we got married here in Seattle. Okay, but you were still both in the show, right? Because we were both in the show. We came up here to get married. We got married and went back down. Cause I, yeah, I think I only knew her as Kim Tass and I don't think I, so I you, you were married by the time I got there. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So it was, was it just this budding friendship? What's that? Was this budding friendship that turned into something or I'm picturing there's so many romantic moments in the show. Were you like in this space at Dodge, there's Knob Hill, there's dancing in the dark. There's all these beautiful romantic we were, setting. It sounds like a movie. <laughs> we were in Dan Oh, we were in Knob Hill and I have a picture I can show you here that we've had framed. It was during a rehearsal shot. Um, of Knob Hill. I don't know if you can oh, see yeah. That. that. Yeah, that picture gets circulated a lot. That's me, that's Kim. Oh my gosh, that is, oh wow. That is us, a really long Oh, I love ago. that. I have that picture saved somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely post it with it. Yeah, a long time ago. But uh, there's, a, there's quite a few relationships that started in those shows. I'm like, there's just, You've got time backstage in the wings. There's flirting. There's get-togethers because Reno also. A lot of people said because there wasn't a lot going on, the cast is your family. That you're social. Did you guys have the same day off, or did, did how does dating work in a situation like that? Um, uh, boy, I don't remember. After we got married, we did. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, it was so great being in this. You know. We, going to work together and then uh, not many of the dancers took ballet class during the day yeah we would go and take ballet class and that's how our friendship okay. grew read uh, maggie banks or reading somewhere else uh we, people that at, we didn't take from maggie banks um we took uh from uh rodney Rodney yeah. was that was the the dancer from Australia that was with yeah the, yeah the ballet Beautiful dancer. he taught technique and his wife was a principal with Australian ballet she taught yeah. technique class also there so we were taking from from those guys really hard classes oh my gosh <laughs> which I love that there's people that were still taking class because I think the attitude for a lot of people is you do it till you get the job and then you've made it. It's like, no, that you want to still maintain, you want to keep your body, but you don't know what the next job is. So I, I think I, 
I was blown away by how many people really did keep training in those classes that were in between shows or people that got there an hour early to do a full bar before they did the show. I was like, Oh, this, this is a very different work ethic than I've seen most other places that I've worked. Yeah. It's not good to be in show shape. Right. Cause you can only yeah, I, within the show. I can only mm-hmm. kick on my right leg and I will only turn right and I can walk to the right, but not to the left. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, it, it keeping in touch with um, all of who you are as a dancer, because that's why you're going to class to get that part of who you are also, you know. I used to take Yuri's class. Do you remember Yuri? Yes, I do. He would teach lyrical and I never had experienced that before. And I would feel things that I had never, I'd never experienced. I would just take in ballet and jazz. I never had that emotional connection. He did something with a chair, which was somebody that you're, that you've lost. I remember crying and like, what is happening to me? Because, and then I wanted more and more. And I think that was like, I, I just didn't know. And then you're with these people that were always creating. There was other shows, fashion shows, Craig Seeley. I remember doing a comedy show. There was drag shows. People were still finding ways to create and kind of find their own voice. And it's so great because you're getting paid to do the show and you've got all this access and like those that took advantage, I think like what a rich field of dirt to grow some great things. Yeah, yeah. Um, There have been articles uh, about the impact of uh, Hello Hollywood Hello on the arts community in Reno. It's it's a deep impact that's continuing now. Um, Yeah, there there was wonderful uh, opportunity to do these extracurricular um, for, uh, performances. Do you remember Gary Caven? No. McGarry Caven, um, or Gary McCaven, Gary Caven. He, he trained up, um, I met him in, uh, summer dance laboratory, uh, in Seattle, those summer dance workshops, but he came to Reno and he was in the MGM. He was probably five foot seven. But he wore lifts. So yeah. I put eight. <laughs> uh, one of the shorter guys, but he was a good choreographer. And I remember um, doing a concert, a dance. It was a beautiful dance concert that featured divertisement of all kinds. Uh, and that was a wonderful opportunity. He, it was a classical piece that he choreographed. Uh, Kim and I were, Kimberly was in it also. She was, um, she, she trained um, in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and so she had really beautiful ballet technique, point work, and Gary um, choreographed a trio, uh, a classical trio. Uh, and, I, and I can't remember the music or the name of it, but uh, it was really uh, wonderful to do, have that beautiful focus as well. Uh, so yeah, lots of that was going on in Reno. Did, did you work with Gina Kasky? She was a bluebell. I, I think she might have, she opened a studio. I think she's British. I interviewed her and then she has a studio. One of my teachers that's been in Seattle for a while go, would go there to teach. She still goes there. And so Gina's daughter came to Westlake and I had no idea this whole full circle. 
blew me uh, away. Like so much. I mean, obviously she had wonderful training from Gina and whoever teacher she had down there in Reno, because that's where she still is. And Lauren who teaches for me. So we videoed it and it, I was, I was crying out in the hall watching this girl dance. I, I'm not even in the room and I can feel it. So I send it to Gina and I and tagged her to show the bluebells. Like this is like second generation that came out of Reno that came out of the bluebells that's going on to do great things and showed up at my studio. So I just love this whole full circle, but I, I know that there's Miriam has a studio there. Uh, wow. Diana guest. I think they, she just maybe sold hers, uh, her and, and Greg Hoff are married. And so I just, I know that a lot of the studios, like there's a lot. And so that means a lot of people are getting really great training. Yeah. Yeah. That's that enrichment of the arts community. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, they read that to us at the reunion of how many people stayed and how it affected. Like I thought, you know, I talked to Linda Nordvik. She's a, a district attorney or oh, she said, I forgot what her title is now, but yeah, there's people that are realtors that are just, and they all run into each other. I'm like, that's a, I was just wanting to get out of Reno, but I was like the ones that stayed. I'm like, okay, I get it in a different way now. Like how much when you're building a family, that community. So there's a, a, a reason I've been bugging you besides the fact that I love and adore you and love your class, <laughs> your story, but it's come up several times about the lion. And I think it should come directly from you of that story <laughs> because you won't, we won't, we won't think less of you because we know how amazing. So this, this little story won't, won't change our view of how great you are. <laughs> oh, the lion, my goodness, people, it, it's it really happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, there's so much over the top about this show. Yeah. So that the plane, for one thing, it comes, yeah. arrives. It, were you up on the wing of the plane? I was a wing, yeah, yeah, right wing, third over. Amazing. And then you ask the audience, they don't even know where it went afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Sets are flying <laughs> and people are coming in and then they said, where did the plane go? How do you hide something like that? So, so much <laughs> over the top <laughs> stuff. In this show is amazing, and and in the Calliope and the the circus finale, the whole yeah. how was that twenty five minutes long or something? Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, cavalcade up from the basement comes these wonderful stairs built like a giant Calliope, right? And at the very end, hello Hollywood, hello Hollywood, Hollywood. Is that the song? Hello, you know, we're doing this. Yeah, hello. The Calliope <laughs> turns around and there's the lion, Leo the lion, real. And then the, you hear the MGM roar, right? And that the one time that turns around and all you see is the rear end of this lion and it's slowly rotating and he's peeing. <laughs> And it's like a fire hose and it's just going <laughs> all over the stage. And it, it was like slow motion. I'm standing up behind it and the showgirls were running like partying like the Red Sea. And people are saying, stop the show, stop the show. They brought the curtain down. Oh, they did. He must have been sick. I think they brought the curtain down. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just, he just sprayed everyone. It was unbelievable. And so 
we're all talking about that. And the next night, it turns around again and he's going to raise his rear end, but he yeah. didn't pee. I think this is how I remember it. Uh, he didn't pee that night. And then they, they made a decision. And then the, the next night after that, when they turned around, there was a fake lion up there. <laughs> they replaced oh. him after that. But I, I kind of show there was no lion. He was gone when I got there the end of 80. So he was done because I remember hearing this. Elizabeth Thompson tells it like that you got the full spray. She said that you just got it full force, but maybe everybody else got it. But she, somebody else remembered that you must have been right in his line because lions can pee backwards. Because I witnessed that when I went to Siegfried and Roy's like thing at the Mirage, like they turn around and spray. I'm like, so that made that story make more sense. Like, how phys- how can you do that physically? That makes sense. And that's a long range. It's amazing. Uh- I get, maybe I did. I, you know, I can't remember now. <laughs> you remember the pee and it was just, I was like in awe. <laughs> like, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, and I'm thinking the smell because that's a horrible smell on a regular house cat. So a lion, I think how they mark their territory. I'm all thinking these the expensive parrot. costumes that were like the in this awful. Yeah. All over the feathers. How, wardrobe having to clean that or fluff those yeah well there was a story of one of the lake outside had flooded and come into the downstairs and there was water in there but what had happened is his cage area of the urine went onto the concrete floor had come through the floor and it ruined a bunch of costumes on that level too so understanding why the lion left the show makes more sense now of the cost hear that wow that was the dressers loretta and donna told me that one that they they what is that smell and they realized that the water had flooded and come through into where all the, the one of the storage areas of one of the costume thing all the feathers smell like lion pee glamorous right it's so glamorous well not we still had the, that. <laughs> when there was still the the nine horses in the show when i was there and i remember the song was the most beautiful girl in the world and we would come off a of calliope and do our pattern and sometimes there'd be a pile of horse poop that you had to and i had a cape some people had higher up i had to like step over and lift the cape so not drag it and make new patterns on the floor of horse poop so yeah the, you're thinking the song is the most beautiful girl in the world and you're you know like out on the farm in feathers <laughs> there's ridiculousness that makes this show even better because you start adding like you said over the top you know something's going to go wrong when you add animals my goodness <laughs> you mentioned um who was it that fell in uh fell into the rain ted roberts fell in in top hat and then tim Mackey, i heard in space and that's a lot of the water wasn't coming in on Ted, but it was coming in. I think when Tim was in there, oh, that, sometimes it would just open. I think for top, Ted, it was top hat. It's not supposed to be open. It just somehow the had trap the trap had been triggered and he went down in there. Well, that happened during the finale. Uh, do you remember the Ben Hur chariot? Yeah, yeah. Four horses, right? Yeah. One of the horses was on that the rain trough, and it opened up. And it was attached by the yoke to the other. It was unbelievable. Uh, And that's when they brought the curtain down. That's in the finale because the horse had fallen in there. It took them, oh, they had to open all the rain curtain doors and that horse 
was freaking out. Oh yeah. Trapped in there. And they ended up putting a ramp at the end. Somehow they got a ramp built or, and, and they were able to finally get that horse out of the pit. Oh, I heard people were crying. I, I feel like I was there, but I think I've heard the story so many different times that I thought, no, I'd be, but I wasn't there, but I remember the show, the show's trying to go on and people are crying. And that's where I think that they, they kept going. Maybe they closed the curtain and then people were pretty upset. They were pretty beyond flustered from that. They, they did end up. Yeah, there was, there was people yelling, close the curtain, stop the show, stop the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really dramatic. That, those yeah. Well, do you remember, was Johnny Hart yeah. doing magic in your show? Yeah. And was he coming out on a white horse after he made the white uh, Excalibur here, right? Was it yeah. Excalibur? Excalibur, yeah. So I one night I was standing in the wing watching it, and it was a, I think about the first times he added the horse, the white horse at the yeah. end, and I'm watching the watching him finish his act, and somehow the horse's rear end got facing the audience. And he goes to get on the horse and pulls on the reins and the horse is a trained horse. It starts backing up. Oh yeah. And I think what's going on? What's going on? He keeps pulling on the, on the reins to get on the seat and the horse starts to sit down and he ended up sitting on one of the tables. Oh my gosh. And just oh. fell into the, not the pit, but the, um, that's not the pit. What's that called? Where all the long tables at the front of the audience. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up sitting and the, and the table collapsed and people <sighs> running and away from it, the, the audience members, because the horse fell onto the audience's <sighs> table and they had to take him out through the theater. <laughs> um, I've heard part of that story, but not the beginning part. Like that makes so much sense. He's being told to do one thing. The horse and then, like, how many people? Yeah, oh because you're showing back. He's trained to sit down, so and ended up sitting on that table in the audience. Right Was it okay the, afterwards? Uh, it seemed fine. Yeah, so I used to go down before Calliope, and I would pet the horses because I was so thrilled there was horses. But now I think about how really that wasn't very kind for animals. A lot of the shows with the, the wild cats, and then I've heard stories about the orangutans of how they were mistreated and. Even in the Lido, the current cast, they had swans and then they had this ballerina, but swans poop. And then they would be like under, like just dragging it with a costume. So just take this long to figure out maybe animals are not the answer. <laughs> and I think now with PETA, like a lot of things there was that would not go over well now. Or the an, A lion and a calliope. <laughs> well, the, that's the same lion they they would have down, remember the big mall? Yeah. Where all the shops and the bowling alley. Yeah. And the there was a place you could go take, yeah, take his picture or something in the. With the lion. Yeah. The real lion. Real. <laughs> we were living on the edge in Reno. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. Well, Liz Thompson was married to the, because it was Hank Post was the father. And then Tim and Dave were the sons that handled the animal. So she was married for a while so she has you know like the lion lived with them and 
Yeah, oh, there's stories God. I won't go into now, but it's it's kind of sad. Yeah. So how did you decide to move on from there? Because that's that's a pretty great gig, but had you just did it kind of run its course? Because I know you did other amazing things after. So um we uh Kim and I, we were there two and a half years. Okay. From the opening. Yeah. Um, so and um I don't know, we just felt compelled to move on. Uh and uh, so we moved back to Seattle and uh, there we were dancing at the music hall. Yeah. A show produced by Jack Card. We had talked about before we recorded, this was Seattle's like dinner theater. Greg Thompson had shows, mm-hmm. beautiful theater that's no longer there. And it's just so sad because several producers did things. They didn't last. How long did that one? I feel like that might've been the more successful. Ben Marine's show didn't even last very long. It was not. The most successful, uh, I think, is six months. Oh, really? I think maybe I might be wrong. Six to eight months. Um, and then one night we came to do the perform. We were living. We had moved to Edmonds, and we were commuting to Seattle uh, to do the show. Yeah. We thought we got, we have to move. So we found a house on Queen Anne, incredible deal. It was like 200 bucks a month to rent. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we moved in, one, uh, got up early. We, we didn't have much. We moved into this house, locked the house and went down to the theater. And there was a sign that said, show permanently closed. They didn't even tell the cast? <laughs> we like, ah! Right, oh my gosh. like two weeks pay and oh my gosh. So uh, we were all just standing at the stage door in shock. And someone said, uh, in two days, there's an audition for Folies Berger in Las Vegas at the Tropicana. So Kim and I, we went to the house that we didn't even have our bed set up or anything. We talked about it and we said, well, let's go. So we just jumped in the car, drove two days. It takes, you know, 24 yeah. hours straight. We didn't sleep. Uh, and we went to that audition in Vegas. And um, let's see, here's another thing. All, you know, this all just happened. Um, it just had its own course, you know, with yeah. me. Uh, we were, it was like May and the, they were auditioning for contracts for September. So I got offered the contract and Kim got offered the contract. They said, we'll send you the contracts. Um, and it will start in September. And so I said, can we see the show? <laughs> <laughs> what am I getting into? Go and, um, go up to the light booth. And we watched the show. Um, and I knew one of the singers because she had been at the MGM in Reno. So afterward, I go backstage to talk to her. And the choreographer, uh, uh, Jerry Jackson. Jerry Jackson, yes, came out of the office backstage and recognized me from the audition and he said, Can you be in the show tonight? <gasps> oh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and it's like, I looked at Kim 
because you know we had to go back home and all this and she said we said okay (laughs) (laughs) so i learned a couple a couple of the numbers in between shows oh my gosh and i was in those two for the second show and then four days later i had learned the whole show and wow I was in Valerie Bergere, right bang. Just I did like, not know that, wow. It was, yeah, it was really exciting and it was really a great show. Uh, I had lots of tumbling, but I didn't do, I was one of the dancers. Uh, I've heard, isn't the Can Can a separate group of more acrobatic, is it separate or are they just split the cats for that? Them whenever they can, they mix them. Okay. There, were, there were only a couple of the guys that were just dancers. Uh, all the rest of the guys were dancers and did the tumbling as well. Okay. So yeah, I did that um, for a couple months and uh, let's see, Kim came down and her contract wasn't going to start until September and then found out that they didn't, they didn't offer it to her. Oh. So uh, she was working uh cocktail waitress making more money than me and uh, we saw an audition notice for adagio team uh needed for one year in rio de janeiro and wow wow wouldn't that be a great gig that would be a fantastic gig so after work you know three in the morning we would go in between on the grass in between the apartment buildings and practice our lifts, right? And we auditioned and we got the contract. And so that was fantastic. So we left, I left the Tropicana. I was only there four months, I think. Um, but th- we thought this was a wonderful opportunity. So uh, we fly to Vegas, it's supposed to be uh, Tiani, uh, music hall but we fly to Rio and then we meet Tiani senior Tiani he was the director he said the show is not in Reno yet I was like what I mean not Reno I mean Rio, okay, right. Rio. <laughs> uh, so then he said but we have to go to on a, another plane ride two plane rides later we're in uh Curitiba, which is a city way south. And we're, we're so blurry from traveling. We get on the bus and we take the bus ride to what we think is the hotel, but it's not the hotel. We get off the bus and these right then elephants <laughs> by the bus. And I see this circus tent. And then it's Circo Tiani, Osho do Mundo. We were hired to dance in a circus. <laughs> oh my God. I love that there's no anything to prepare. You're just, you know, do the show tonight? Yeah. Yes. And now you're in a circus. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we did that for, I think, eight months, six, eight months, eight months. What kind of show was it? Were you like a specialty, the adage, like a specialty thing in a circus or was there production dance numbers or was it you guys uh, were there, the. There were three production numbers. Uh, there was a big opening 
and we were featured dancing in, in the opening. And then there was trapeze, monkey acts, big cage <laughs> tiger training, wow. bear acts. Uh, and then there was the elephant act, trapeze artists, high wire acts, tumblers, jugglers. Um, and then uh, there was a Roman number, the Romano number and the elephant, there would be a processional, the elephants would walk across the stage and then we would do our act, which was um, the sun goddess. Kim was the sun goddess. And she came out with these silks tied around her waist and I would do the sit lift and they would be the rays of the sun and I would rotate and people ran holding the silks and uh, you talk about um, stepping around the horse poop. I would say you're like surrounded now. <laughs> Elephant poop casts a shadow. It's so <laughs> <laughs> The processional would happen. And every once in a while, one elephant would just let go. And we would have to do our act around these piles of elephant poop. It's just amazing. <laughs> the glamour of show business. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and there's a big aroma also from that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> oh, wow. You're probably doing some romantic adage that's right. earthy. Oh, wow. Did you end up going to Rio or was that not really part of this gig? It was touring. We toured from Curitiba to, to Porto Alegre. And then we were in uh, Montevideo, Uruguay, and we came back to uh, Sao Paulo. We were there for quite a while. Uh, we did not perform in Rio de Janeiro. So finally, yeah. we, are, we decided to leave. Uh, we spent 24 hours in Rio. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. So they fulfilled that part of their their right so yeah and then we just zipped around and saw everything what a great travel thing Good. yeah wow so because i want to do seven hours of interview but i do want to hear where american dance theater comes in because that it says so i mean that just shows up so much in your style of, of choreography and teaching so were you done with shows before that happened or i mean you get another run of a few more professional performing things like these cabarets production shows we came back from rio de janeiro uh and i was, was teaching in seattle and uh our daughter was born then uh and i was dancing with ray bussey's jazz dance company yeah and which was wonderful he was one was of a great tours and teachers and so i was a uh, guest artist with his dance company and then I did um, Seattle Repertory Theater's production of Guys and Dolls and got my equity card. That, okay. That's what um, propelled me to New York. So after uh, Guys and Dolls uh, closed, uh, I went to New York and um, I auditioned for the American Dance Machine which is that theater dance company in New yeah. York. And uh, I was able to uh, be a company member probably for the last six months of the director's life, actually. She mm. passed away 
six months later. Um, and she was unbelievable dynamo, Lee Theodore, absolutely amazing. She was the original anybody's in West Side Story on Broadway. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And I, I absolutely loved the technique classes. It was an hour of ballet and then a, an hour of theater technique. And that's where the Jack Cole uh, bras and technique, um, I learned it for, directly from her. Uh, she was just, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved that time in that company. And we, it's, that company is um, dedicated to preserving, it's, it's, a, it's a living library of the greatest theater dance moments in the era of when theater dance was not being recorded. Yeah. The book was written, the music was written, all the dialogue, the lyrics, all of that was a written recording of that work, but the choreography had to be passed down. So the company worked with the original choreographers of these musicals. Um, just wonderful opportunity uh, and respect for the history of theater dance. It was really a wonderful experience. Wow. Well, I remember you taught us something with Jet, and it was even with the hand position. We did it over and over because I think, you know, people will do what they've seen of Fosse. I've taken from Anne Rankin several times and Marianne Lamb, who didn't work with Fosse, but with Gwen Verdon. And the, you have, you can't just say you teach a Fosse class because the importance of it not being changed or watered down or this is Fosse, you know, that's usually like a parody in an SNL skit. This is Fosse, this is Fosse. Right, right, right. But I love that you like, this is where it comes from. This is Jack Cole, because I think some of us, it all just gets mushed together and we, for, we don't really know the influence that one had on the other. And so I so appreciated the way you taught it. That we got the history and the detail. Then we still got to have fun. You weren't like, you know, drilling us 20 minutes on a hand position, but you also were very clear. I'm like, oh, but I love when somebody teach Fosse, like this was the intent. This is what he said in rehearsal. This is why we do this. I'm like, okay, this definitely changes instead of just mimicking a style. So I'm just, I mean, it's really wonderful that those things are preserved. I've choreographed, um, chorus line for a group and also um west side story you you can't record even your own choreography to preserve it mm. and like if there's some you have to use exact choreography but if you don't have video they didn't have it it's just interesting how there is not like you said there's not it's not archived in a way that you can pass all this stuff down it is now it is now. yeah, yeah. But, right there's a the dark i would call that the dark ages of for theater dance because of that there was there was no common way to record that so uh, yeah what a great what a great thing um to have that company uh yeah. they folded for a few years and now they are active again and it's called uh american dance machine for the 21st century oh wow now they're incorporating all of the current and uh, this all of the work that's been done since the 80s and up wow right, so is I'm it a training program and performance is it a company or is it more of a training thing no, is it's it, a company it's not it's a, a company okay it is a dance company right? okay yeah 
And I know like with Seattle, I've tried, like you came to my show night in Paris. I'm like, this is going to go. And I know for, it was so fun to have you there to have people that did these. And mine was not Don Arden. And it was more, it was kind of like a mishmash of some oh, it was like great. cabaret. It was so and exciting. It was so, <laughs> and it was fun. Like, okay, we want to preserve these things, especially with, you know, the Lido closing. And I know you had the Edgewater. And I think Seattle, I've tried different things. I was trying to bring the dancing fashion shows up here because I remember doing that everywhere I worked. They would always hire dancers. And it just felt Seattle was banging my head on a brick wall sometimes. But things do happen and move. But I just like knowing there's other people that come out of that world. And like, I feel like we've done maybe something else hired together. But I just know for a while, there was a lot of us that were in Seattle. Like I've done shows with Cabby. I feel like Hello Hollywood, whoever's up here you know, that maybe we could, maybe we could make it happen in Seattle, but maybe it's just an art form that was just for this certain time period, but it's still nice to give it some credit. And like, you know, I know you, you trained other places, but what you got out of Hello Hollywood, hello, those cabaret shows, I think we was valuable of what we bring as teachers and choreographers that we wouldn't have gotten from just other ways of dancing professional. Yeah. It's really satisfying to know that we were a part of, uh, such an amazing uh, production. I mean, it was the largest stage in the world. It's in history books. That's yeah. it's our work, and I'm really proud of that. Um, it's it's definitely an era gone by, uh, but I think it was the best of that era. Just that that presentation, I think, was the best of that era. It was really amazing uh, quality of work there. Just, yeah, very proud of that time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I've learned so much more from doing the interviews of people that I sat next to that I didn't know were part of ballet companies or their Royal Ballet, and then they got too tall. I didn't know, we just talked about whatever was, you know, who's dating who or whatever was happening, but I didn't really know that I knew the caliber of watching, like watching Potassis and going, oh my God, okay, these people are amazing. And seeing some of it, but not understanding like how rich, the the everything that everybody brought in the collective that came into this one place and learned from each other and inspired each other and yeah I think it opened my eyes like oh there's more because I, I mean that was my first job I ever did and then to go what there's more of this I wanted to ask you how old were you when you came to the show I was mm, I had just turned twenty I graduated in 78 and my ballet teacher's daughter was going to go because they used to go to Vegas all the time. Like you should go to Vegas. You're tall and all this. So we, I had to wait for her to graduate. So I worked that whole year and then we went down and I got hired right away for hello. Hollywood I was there in Vegas for that audition. Just turned 20 and I'm returning 21 in the show. So yeah, it's just like this, you know, you come from your small town and go, wow, there's a whole big world out here. Yes, uh, you know, coming from a ballet company, I had to get used to G-string line on the women. I kept thinking, look at those legs. Yeah, <laughs> they go on. <laughs> I did a tea time with Liz Elliott and Leslie Larch about, we just did the question was, what was shocking? And it was just fun. Like every, all of us came from smaller towns, like just people being naked, you know, on stage, but then you're backstage just talking in your underwear and you know, I had never been around gay people before. I'd never been anywhere with international anything. And so just conversations of not even understanding half the words, like what's a Lori, what's a Fanny, what's a whatever. It's like, so it was just such an education on stage, backstage in parties of going, Oh, wow. I had no idea that this was a thing. Oh, I loved, 
being able to dance. Liz was one of my partners. Oh. Uh, Liz Elliott. Oh my. Yeah. She was lovely. And I remember when I was uh, learning Rodney's parts, we were practically rehearsing between shows. Da, 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 and then the performance happens, audience, everything. And we're doing that all on dancing Potassies. And that's where, you know, you're leaning. Uh, the, there's one part. Oh, yeah. Instead of, you know, the guy does grand plie, the woman sits on his thigh and then he presses and leans. And she, that's when she was topless. I'm thinking, I should have prepared myself for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just normal. You're just dancing. Oh, because that was probably the most naked thing in the show. Because it yeah. wasn't with all the headpieces. It really was just the G-string, the pink drape, and you guys were in the G-string and boots, which is practical. Or we no, were, were you barefoot? Guys were barefoot. When I did it, barefoot. We barefoot. Okay. And okay. we had a pink sash and yeah. then a very natural silver lame G-string. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> practical. And then I look at that piece and it seems weird to put clothes on it because I remember, you know, the whole naked thing was shocking at first, but then I'm like, it's just so pretty that it felt like to put anything more on maybe would have taken away from it. I think it was not necessarily sensual or erotic. It was just so beautiful. I don't know. I think that my ideas of that change definitely from seeing it done, done well. And then I would go to other shows that was more campy. I'm like, Ooh, and they might be worrying more, but it felt more risque than what I saw on our show. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I love doing it. It was, it was really a pretty piece. Yeah. I really liked the choreography. And uh, <laughs> one time, because um, parts of the show were on a click track. Well, there was a click track throughout that the orchestra would play to. Yeah. Some of the vocals were on that click track and, and the actual music for space, Potassis, was on click track. All the music was. Oh. At one point, I remember this one time, uh, we did the spinning lift where the woman runs and the, she's in double attitude. And one of the sound technicians hit fast forward. <gasps> oh, it's like a movie scene. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the click track. And, it, the music's going la 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 la. We start the spin. It goes, <laughs> and we had to catch up to it afterwards. Just set them down and continue on. But oh I, my gosh, that, that is not the number you'd want that to happen in, especially. It was it was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> right on the spin. <laughs> Did you ever break character? Because there's such intimate moments. Then I hear what people were having full conversations. The audience can't see it if you're really good at it. But, you know, there's things that, that you do the show every night. There's things that are funny. There's things that happen that you have to either like just hold it together, bite your lip, or you're going to totally lose it. Oh, I'm sure everyone has all those, those moments. Um, uh, that one, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed at that you... point. And then, I, you know, you, you have to compose yourself. After. Right. Uh, one time in uh, Heat Wave, uh, I was doing the principal spot, and so you're under the spotlight, doing the leap in, leap in, oh, yeah. da, 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 da. and at one point the music goes, da, 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 ooh, and the guys stand in second, push their uh -huh. hips and push their hips forward, 
and my g-string broke <gasps> right and of the hook yeah the hook of my costume g-string broke unfortunately that night my personal g-string was too big i don't know why and it was showing so i took it off and i was oh. wearing the costume oh no and at that point da, 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 boom it falls open and the spotlight's on me <laughs> i don't know if anybody saw it but i i grabbed the g-string and just karaoke ran off the stage <laughs> oh my gosh Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many things to watch in this show. It would have, if it went fast, probably would no one would like, did I? Nope. Never mind. No, I had to run off the stage at that point. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> it was a That's like the fear of everything. Like I know I'm mostly, cause I had in the um, night and day, the feather fans, those gowns that were solid crystals were held yeah. by one little hook in the middle. Mine that broke and it just dropped down and you could hear it go, Ooh, cause they were so heavy. But I had been topless. I'm coming another number to be topless, but someone would be topless when you're not supposed to be topless when no one else is topless in your undergee and your tights was like, I'm trying to pick up this heavy dress and my fans there's and try to get through people without ruining the dance. Cause I couldn't stay out there. I couldn't move because my dresses were on my ankles, but I know those things happen. And I'm sure the audience, maybe two people out of 3000 would even notice that you just flashed or that my dress fell off. There's just so many things going on that you could have just stood there for a few eight counts to say, hey, is anybody noticing this and see <laughs> like how much people see what's really, wow. Wow. So yeah, to one of the um, night and day dancers with the fans, they were, it was hard to manipulate those. And at one point her arm dislocated. <gasps> her shoulder dislocated and she fell on the floor and couldn't get up. Oh my and gosh. Finally, I guess she, you know, when you fall in a dress like that, how do you get up? Yeah, you have to have yeah, assistance. Those hands and she just was super limber. Blonk, there went her shoulder. Oh my, and they were heavy. And if you get that an angle, I could see, because I had that same move over the head. I did it where I looked up at the fan and my wig was hanging in it. I had actually taken my wig off. And again, like I can't do the dance with a wig with my little, you know, nipple head fishnet thing on top of my head with my hair pulled up. They had to, there's things that you can salvage and some like you have to just get off the stage. Jerry, this has been so much fun. Um, I just, I've only heard bits of your story and I'm so glad you finally said yes. And so I just have a question of, you've had a really amazing career and that you're still teaching because I think when I showed up at your class to know there are people my age still dancing, because that was a conversation like when people would say, oh, I used to dance. Like, well, when do I say that? But I, I keep thinking maybe when I hit 60 and I'm 63 and I'm around other people who are still dancing, teaching and passion. I'm like, oh, maybe there's not an expiration date like I had assumed. So what is it that keeps you going? Because you're still teaching. You're still, I know that with Vera, you're still part of that company. I saw Dracula come and I, you're still, you're still very active. What is it that I mean, I'm sure you're not going to go pick up a new job as a doctor at this point in your life or something, but there must be something that has kept you really. Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, after a while, that's who you are, regardless of time. Yeah. Uh, and you just continue being who you are. That's you wake up and that's what you do. And that's. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I will always be teaching, especially that class that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, that's who I am, right? Yeah. That's who I am. Uh, I really enjoyed teaching. Um, it's been so satisfying. Um, one of my former dancers is the assistant company manager of American Ballet Theater. I have uh, students of mine that are dancing professionally in Europe. Um, uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet, uh, one of the soloists is a former student and I'm uh, just recently a core member uh, is a former student. It's, and I, uh, it's so thrilling to know that the, the, it's validity for your work, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm so grateful for every experience I've had and I'm and it's how I teach uh, is because of those experiences. Uh, it's keeps adding to um, the artistry and uh, yeah, I'm just mm. so grateful, really, really grateful for it. Um, so yeah, I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> I love that. Cause I think I'd seen many jaded dancers and they're, they make terrible teachers. Like, why are you still doing this? But I feel like in the last several years, I've come across people who are our age that are gracious, they're giving, they love what they do. And I think it's such a good picture for up and coming because I was, I interviewed Pat Merle, who I'd worked with, but she had done several shows. And when she was in the show I was in, she was 30 and I was 20. I'm like, I hope I can still dance. I hope I can still walk. I, in my mind, I thought that's it. So people like Liz Elliott that were dancing into their forties, it just, it changed the thing that a lot of us were told you have this much time and then you're no longer valuable. And so I think at, even in my own studio, there was a time where only young was cool. Like the new contemporary, the, so you think you can dance kind of like, and for a while people weren't really caring to take from the more seasoned. And then it switched again where people like, well, maybe you have something to offer because you've been doing this a long time <laughs> and you are always learning. You're not just like referring back to your training 50 years ago, you're still growing. So I think that there's a, a new appreciation in a beautiful way for those who have a lot to teach and do it with grace instead of like, you know, you suck or in my day, you know, I think it's such a beautiful thing for this younger generation. And you've sent me some wonderful students that are in my class now that I love. And I love the, you know, sharing and encouraging other, other, you know, try other people. And so they're in my number for the show. And I'm like, Carlos love that. And Carlos. Yeah. And Emma, yeah. Yeah, and uh -huh. they're wonderful. So I just, I love that there is seasoned so people that stay in it. Uh, how long have you been the director and owner of Westlake? Dance It'll be thir 30 years in August. It's amazing. And we got through the pandemic and like, okay, we, we're still here. We've made it through several moves and we're still going. That so really, that's phenomenal. That is, and that's, you, you understand, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. And it's, I thought maybe I would be like, maybe when I'm 60 or friends of mine that are, you know, playing golf and done, I'm like, I can't imagine not teaching. It really hit me strongly when I was thinking maybe something else is next. I'm like, no, I can't imagine not teaching. I can't imagine not creating, you know, stuff for class. So like that keeps my soul fed, which I wasn't doing that much during COVID. And I realized I have to have this part in my life. That creative, you said create. And that's yeah. the thing that's, that is, the the energizing element of all of this it's the creation yeah I love creating works 
that fit this level or that level or this scenario or this plot. Um, it's, it's, yeah, that's the energizing um, life coursing through us. Uh, oh. We're able to express. That's, yeah. doing. that's why it's so uh, new. It, it's new all the time. It's not, it's not 63 years old or 67 right. years old or whatever. Right. You know, it's it's new all the time. And that's, yeah. That's, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great way to end. I will be back in your class. I'm actually going to look at my phone because I do massage and it seems like Tuesdays a day people keep requesting, but I'm giving up my Thursday shift. I've been working at a PT clinic. I've been doing too many jobs. So I'm going to put a bracket and just put it in my calendar because that's what I did before. Like I would seriously look, look at what was happening the next week so I could make it to your class. And then COVID just kind of threw off anything that felt like, normal so i realized i need to be back in class because that's i need to be a student as oh, well yeah. as a teacher you know we're there we, we yep. are there till till the building burns down yeah but I do <laughs> one of the most important thing about working at the mgm was meeting kim my wife yeah because we have been married for 44 years now january first, yeah. 44 years and that was the most important thing that happened. That, yeah. 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 And you meet someone who understands you as an artist and you're not having a totally different lifestyle. You guys look like you, you're like, you came to my show together. I always see you together. And I love that how you are as a couple. That's another inspiring thing. It's a really neat to see people that have been married and have this relationship that feels whole. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you're inspiring in so many ways. So, and that Kim would come into your class once in a while, cause I was coming regularly and she didn't make it all the time. But when she did, I was like, I get to dance next to Kim in Jerry's class. I, I drag her, I drag her to class. So <laughs> and she's still, you both look phenomenal. Yeah. So, all right. You take care of yourself and then I will be bugging you later for photos. And I will definitely post that one of you in Knob Hill with, with Kim. Cause that's gorgeous. I have it somewhere that people it's are sharing. HHH. Yeah. I just pull stuff off of there, but yeah. Any pictures from other, other things you did, I would love. I have a picture of you in Scarecrow backstage. I think I sent it to you once. So I'll send you that to okay it. Say hi to Kim. I will see you in class and uh, I just adore you. Thank you for keep, you know, keep creating. Well, thanks for producing this. You're welcome.